electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Steve Grasso, Nadine Terman, and Jeff Mills. Tonight on Fast, a broker breakdown. The chart master is sounding the alarm on a key part of the financials. Why Carter Worth sees some trouble in the charts. Plus, deal drop. Oracle dropping today. The, the big headline that sent investors heading for the exits. And later, we are talking spiders and apes. It's just another day at the zoo here on Fast Money. Why this weekend's box office is putting a blockbuster bid into shares of AMC. But we start off with the retail rush. Santa's sleigh bells are ringing with only seven shopping days left. Retailers bracing for Super Saturday. That is the second busiest shopping day of the year. And the nightmare before Christmas is here. Check out the wreckage in these retail names. The real, real Bath and Body Works, Dillard's, Macy's, Urban Outfitters. Just some of the stocks getting slaughtered this week. Will the last minute Russia shoppers be enough to turn around this trade? Guy, what do you think? Hi, Melms. I love the sleigh bells. I mean, I'm so excited. A Friday, I'm in a festive mood. Will it be enough? The short answer is no. I think there's been a lot of pull forward. But I do think there's some stocks that looks interesting. But... We brought with us, Melissa Lee, something that we like to call the chart of the day, which I rarely do, but I'm going to call for it now, and hopefully the crack staff and EC can bring it up. What I noticed, and I don't know why, it's sort of that CC Sabathia thought song, things that make you go hum. The XRT and the IWM are the exact same chart. And what I take some solace is the fact that IWM once again held the 210 level close positive on the day, and the XRT held a critical level, I believe, around 85, and that went positive on the day. So I think there's some stocks to avoid, but the one stock that's not, I don't think, in the XRT, an equal weight um, ETF, is Target. Look at the move in Target over the last, basically, uh, since the middle of the summer. Huge double top, now a 17% peak to trough decline in about a month. We're at critical support. I think you can own some retailers, and Target is on the top of Mm -hmm. my list. Spending has already weakened says J.P. Morgan, taking a look at credit card data in the latest period, Nadine Terman. And they're, they're concerned that going into the final stretch of the year that there are things like the impact of Omicron. I mean, just a couple of minutes ago, on like a half an hour ago, they canceled Hamilton performances here on Broadway down the street from me for the next couple of nights because of concerns about COVID and, and some breakthrough cases. And so this is, this is in the psyche of the consumer and, and the question is, will you go out to a store or to the mall to do Because that's the only kind of shopping you're, you're going to get presents from uh, on time at this point. You're not going to order them online at this point. Well, I'm lucky. I'm done with my shopping. But here, I mean, we're out in the West Coast and it was raining. So my guess is that tomorrow, a lot of West Coast people will be going to the shopping centers to be able to walk around, enjoy the holiday spirit and go. But I agree with Guy, you know, we're looking at Target, you know, like 218 to 244 range, so four to one upside, but it has obviously in the last month lost 16%, so it has turned bearish, but that's one that you could add to. And then Nike prints on Monday. You know, I'm looking at a price today of just over 161. Our ranges, our trading ranges are 159.30 to 170.34, so 4.4 upside. 
and a big implied volatility premium, meaning people are paying for protection. So there's a few gems out there that you can, I guess, stock your stuffings with a little bit. But I agree with Guy, it's not all retail. Yeah, and it sounds like you guys are saying, you know, stick with the winners, the winners that brought you here, and, and they will be the winners going into year end. Jeff Mills, you agree with that approach? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've been talking about that for a couple of weeks now. It's really trying to concentrate on the high end versus the low end, which I think might be more susceptible to certain issues that we're dealing with, like inflation. One of the relationships that I've been looking at that sort of points me in that direction, which I think is interesting of late, is staples versus discretionary. So obviously discretionary, not just retail, but I think the relationship is interesting. Staples making the first three-month high against discretionaries for the first time in almost two years. So I think that's a good indication of sort of the market tone right now. And I've also been talking about this potential slowdown in the next year. So to follow on Nadine's point, if we get a little bit of a slowdown, you want profitability. I know I've been beating that drum too, but high return on invested capital type companies, that's Nike, that's Lulu. It's not necessarily Macy's or Kohl's. And the last thing I'll say is just to go back to Tuesday, we talked about Goldman Sachs note, they double downgraded Ralph Lauren. So they wanted brand momentum, they wanted idiosyncratic growth stories. I think that also speaks more to a Lulu or a Nike than some of the other retailers out there. This all makes sense, Grasso, unless you believe that there is going to be a significant slowdown in the next few days or so because of the impact of Omicron, even just the concerns about Omicron at this point. Yeah, so, so what, what doesn't make sense to me is that uh, uh, Chair Powell, Chairman Powell is talking about, I could see the difference between reducing purchases, but I can't see him in good faith uh, raising rates. I think... I, as I mentioned the last time, that I think he's so far behind the curve that what he seems to be timely is so untimely right now. If, if the variant is really going to be such a major headwind, how can he be raising rates? It doesn't make sense to me. So I think we're getting mixed messages. The market's getting mixed messages. I think positioning within the market is getting a little dicey going into year end. I don't think this market is really going to reveal itself until probably January. And since everyone else gave you a retail play here, I think if you look at Costco, uh, Nadine pointed out that Target was down in the last month. Costco's actually up in the last month. It's up 45% year to date, up 4% in the last month, not running out of steam. The XRT versus uh, IWM, same exact chart as Guy pointed out, but there is an outperformance on XRT and that's because everyone has been focused on U.S.-centric names. I think you're going to start to see industrials perform, not until January. Guy, in, in your mind, is there a big question mark as to how, how the economy does? Are you, why are you looking behind you? I'm talking to you. I'm talking, I'm talking to well, you. No, I know not you are, but anyone, when you say in your mind, I mean, you. Oh, you're, you're yeah. wondering no, what, what mind, mind I'm talking about? my mind works in mysterious about. ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, well, Grasso is making the point that, you know, even if, if, if there is a big headwind from Omicron, Powell won't raise rates, and that, in effect, would be benign for the markets or good for the markets. I'm wondering, you know, how much of an asterisk, in your view, um, do you put on naming winners in the retail space if there is a question mark about how this latest variant will impact the economy and the consumer? Yeah, I don't think any of us know the answer to that clearly. And I understand what Steve is saying about Chairman Powell and the Fed, but I also think they're, and I don't want to speak for them clearly, but I think they've come to the conclusion that, you know, we'll get past this, but the bigger problem right now 
is the inflationary pressures that they now all acknowledge. So in terms of the asterisks, I think we're going to get past it. In terms of the trades, like I think the market's going to get through the variant without question. What the market, mm -hmm. I think, is struggling the most right now is what does the Federal Reserve mean and what does it mean to some of these names? But I do think there are retailers you can own. I'm with Steve, by the way, on Costco 100%. Steve brought that stock up a number of times over the years. Most of us have as well. It's pulled back a little bit since its all-time high. It still makes sense, valuation notwithstanding. And to Nadine's point, you know, target down 17% basically in a straight line at huge support levels is interesting as well. What's your overall take of the market action today, Nadine? I'm curious because we saw that strong bounce off the bottoms, bottom for, for big cap technology in particular. But we saw 10-year yields. They're down to 1.4. Right. It was interesting because two weeks ago, you know, I was saying, hey, this is oversold. And then last week it was overbought. And today, most of our trading ranges are kind of in the middle. But when you look at the, the tenure that you're talking about, you know, our low end was 1.38 and it got down to 1.39 at one point this morning and then came to 141. And so we're just still hold. We did buy some treasuries. We're just holding them right now. But it's a much tighter range. And I think this gets to Grasso's point is that you know, it's for us 138 to 146, and so it's much tighter than before, and it gets to the confusion that people are having, but also to a lot of people are seeing there's gonna be decelerating GDP growth next year, and that's not something that the Fed's gonna raise rates into. So there's just called it this duration problem of okay, it's sticky inflation now, but that could go away next year, supply issues will get fixed, and then we might have some decelerating growth. Hmm. All right, coming up, a big bank breakdown. Financial stocks leading the losses in today's action. Is there more pain ahead or is now the time to buy? Plus, should we have seen this coming? Oracle seeing its worst day since March of 2020. What caused the drop? And is there still hope for this trade? More Fast Money in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Ten-year yields falling to their lowest levels in two weeks today and could be heading to a crucial juncture. So what is the next key level to watch? Let's bring in the chart master, Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? Yeah, all sorts of junctures. And uh, just as you all discussed, we're working into a tighter and tighter range with uh, something important directional coming. I think it's down, but let's look at the charts. The first uh, the first two are yield charts, 10-year yields. The f this one is 
a logarithmic scale. Now, to be fair, one could say, well, you've just drawn the lines to fit your narrative. Here's the thing, you can connect any two points with a line, but the top line connects five points and the bottom line connects four. Those lines are not random and we have broken below uh, the lower band. Look at the exact same chart, but in uh, arithmetic scale. We're still ever so slightly above uh, the upward sloping uh, line in effect since the COVID low. I think we go lower. Um, that's my view. I don't like financials, haven't liked them, and let's look at that. Just two more charts. They're both two panel charts. The next is the BKX index. That's the 24 largest banks in the United States, big ones you know, like JP Morgan, Citi, Wells, and that is that index on the top. On the bottom is the relative performance. So the bank's performance, even as they went higher for most of the year, it peaked seven months ago, uh, back in May. Now look at the second two panel chart, and this is going back five years. So just contend with that. Think of that. This index, the big eight index, is making new highs on the top. But on the bottom, it continues to, I mean, it's been underperforming for four or five years. And we're at what? Maybe going into a slowdown of some kind, or we're getting data that's a little soft? I don't know. Why own banks? Don't like them. All right. That was clear. Carter, thanks. We'll see you in a few minutes on Options Action. Um, Jeff Mills, do you own banks? And as Carter asks, why? Why bother? Yeah, I mean, we do have some exposure to banks. We're usually pretty diversified across sectors. But at the same time, I agree with what Carter's saying. And I don't know that I'm necessarily a major bank bull right now. I, I do think the yield curve is telling us something, right? And, it, and it's telling us more rate hikes sooner, less rate hikes further down the road, because the Fed isn't going to be able to hike because growth is going to be impacted. That's why you're seeing the curve flattening, not necessarily a good thing for banks. Plus, I think you have a positioning thing going on right now with the 10-year, for example. I think you have an unwind of some of these steepening trades that were put on. And the Fed is still buying a really large portion of the float in the 10-year. So longer rates are going to have to contend with that for a while. You know, specific to banks, they're obviously at a key juncture, most of them back down to that 200-day moving average. And then there's this tension I see between loan growth and the rate environment. Because even if rates go up, if loan growth isn't healthy, then banks are still going to have a problem. I think loan growth actually looks okay, but if rate hike expectations stay where they are, I think the curve will have a flattening bias, you know, at least for the next couple of quarters. So not necessarily a bullish call for banks there. Yeah, it's pretty eye-opening when you look at the uh, relative performance to the S&P 500, Grasso, to think that banks, they made their peak seven months ago. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, when you think about a recovery, when, when we're talking about being in the throes of the pandemic, you thought economic activity was going to be weak, you thought everything was going to be weak, the consumer was going to be weak, and we didn't really see that. And, and to uh, Carter's point, they did peak out pretty early, but when you look at them as a standalone basis, year to date they're up you know, 30% or so, the XLF that is, and JP Morgan is one of the top holdings. JP Morgan's chart still looks okay. XLF still looks okay. But I've been pretty steadfast in saying that the 10 year is mind boggling to me, and I know there's other ways around it, and there's positioning around it, but for me, if we're talking about rising rates, all these rates should be skyrocketing through the roof. And I think we're going to be contending with lower rates sooner rather than later. They're stagnant now. The Fed will not be able to raise rates. I will stand pat on that. 
And this is going to be a negative headwind to a lot of different sectors, most significantly financials. We've got a lot of bearishness when it comes to the outlook for the economy and, and the outlook for growth, Nadine. I mean, you're, you're nodding in agreement with Grosso in terms of the Fed not being able to raise rates because the economy is just not going to allow it. I mean, I think you have a short time frame now, like so maybe a couple of months where things are going to be okay. So I wouldn't go all on and totally short financials or the KRE. In fact, I'm looking at the KRE. It's got almost six to one upside for our trading ranges, a huge short interest. So people have already been on this play. This is not the time to be going short the KRE. And there's an interesting study I read recently about how, like, if you look at the local banks, try to find the people who are actually in areas that are growing. We're thinking, you know, Nashville, we're thinking Florida, um, they can actually outperform. So while we do believe you will see lower yields over time because you're, maybe you hike once, but you're not going to see a ton of hiking by the Fed. Um, what you don't want to do is say like, okay, I'm going to go full on short right now because still you're in this tight range as Carter showed and as we think. And so you could see rates pop up to 146 on the 10 year. That would be good for financials. So if you have them, maybe that's your sign to start taking some off. Financials are a very diverse sector, Guy Dami. Not all financials are so reliant on the yield curve. Are there others which you may like? Look at you. I, you're so in, Now you're trying to get in inside, my head, but I'm right? shaking totally you out of inside. it. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. In, in, you entrenched. Were, but now you're, you're, I'm here you're to not stay. there anymore. Yeah, Where well, perhaps. Okay. But I will tell you, and I know Blackstone, listen, Blackstone traded north of 140. It's pulled back in the 124 area, I think. You know, Blackstone, to me, they're still doing everything right. You get down to 115, I think you buy it with both hands. I think you're right there. And I think Citibank, quickly, at 76% now of tangible book at current price of $59. I mean, that is flashing red to me in terms of just a trading from the long side opportunity. All right, coming up, Spider-Man's premiere, sending one stock swinging higher today. You got the trade on the name next, plus Oracle falling off a cliff. What's behind this drop in the stock? We got the details straight ahead. You're watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a buzzkill on Oracle. Shares down more than 6%. It's worst day since March 2020. This comes on the back of a Wall Street Journal report that the software giant is in talks to buy healthcare information company Cerner. That deal could be worth about $30 billion. Guy, if memory serves, Oracle is the O in hope, in your hope trade for 2021. Look at you. Yeah. Like a sharp you are. And it continues to be the O. And I will tell you, when it was 106, everybody was loving it. Does this make sense? Absolutely. You give Safra Katz all the benefit of the doubt. She's done an amazing job since she's taken over. By the way, we talked about her being my Wall Street person of the year for this year, and I'll stand by that. The stock was probably due for a pullback anyway. $30 billion makes it the biggest acquisition they've ever done. But on a valuation basis alone, it trades less than a market multiple. You buy Oracle here, in my opinion. Jeff Mills, do you like this perspective deal? Yeah, 100%. First of all, I like the stock just because it's that sort of profitable defensive growth that I've been talking about. It's less cyclical. It's got 75% of its sales that are recurring. So that's all good. I talked to one of our senior equity analysts today who covers the name. Uh, number one, he said the stock action reminds him of what it did in June when they announced doubling their CapEx spend. So maybe a little short-sighted reaction, uh, just as it was in June. But 
He also said, you know, this has big data written all over it. And Cerner has a lot of opportunity in predictive analytics, and it needs a lot of cloud computing. Oracle is already building that out. So I think strategically it makes a lot of sense. And the $30 billion price tag seems high. Maybe that's what the market's reacting to, but not ridiculous given some multiples on software comparables. Yeah. Grasso, for that reason, do you like Oracle? I do like Oracle. And if you look at their comps, they've outperformed their comps, well, at least Workday and CRM by three and a half to one. They've actually outperformed Microsoft as well. So forgetting the fundamentals of this this transaction, potential transaction, look at the technicals on Oracle. It's been doing this for months now. Runs up, blasts through the old high, and then settles back in to the most recent high. So this looks like a laddering to me or a a staircase step uh, on a technical basis. Everything looks great for Oracle. I think you're getting a better entry than you would have had, you know, a few days ago. But I think it's still a great positioning for the stock. All right. And uh, Earth to Spidey fans, take a look at AMC swinging higher today thanks to the power of Peter Parker. The Reddit favorite jumping 19 percent ahead of opening weekend for the new and highly anticipated Spider-Man film, Spider-Man No Way Home. The film is already hitting box office records, snagging $50 million in ticket sales from Thursday previews. Analysts now projecting that the film will hit $200 million in ticket sales this opening weekend. Let's put aside the long-term fundamentals for AMC, Nadine. Is this a trade? You know, sometimes when there's passionate people on both sides of a trade, that's our team's cue to get some popcorn and just watch, Mel. And that's what I would do here. But if you made me trade it, which I think that's what you're asking, our trading range is 20 spot 30 to 34.50, so a huge range, but there's more downside than upside. But you don't want to short this thing now. It's got 16% short inches, really high implied volatility premium. People are paying for protection. So this is one I just sit out and watch. Yeah. Guy? Listen, I was on a Twitter Spaces last night for about two hours with people just talking about AMC. They're a passionate group, as you know. I know, shocking. I mean, it's it's amazing, right? It took them two hours to get out of it. You can't believe it. Yeah, I could, I'm still on it. As a matter of fact, crazy. No, but these are these are passionate, smart people. More importantly, and I think for a trade, absolutely, you can own it here. Yeah, Jeff Mills, what do you say about? I mean, it's got momentum swings, right? Yeah, I mean that's what we talked about on Tuesday, right? It, it's not fundamentals. It's it's momentum, and the trading action today proved it's not fundamentals. I mean, why was GameStop up eight percent today, right. and why was Cinemark, obviously a competitor that should benefit from a, a movie release like this, up 0.2 percent? So pretty clear that's what it is. Maybe it's a momentum spark. Fine, I can get on board with that. Certainly not a fundamental justification for the long-term price movement of the stock. Right. All right. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso. Well, first of all, I want to wish our very own Guy Adami a happy 30th birthday tomorrow for the second time. So God bless you. God, God bless you, Guy. Happy birthday. And final trade is Westrock, WRK. Trade has not worked, but I'm still in it, and I think you're going to see a bright future ahead. I think that's second time in the past two decades. Uh, Nadine. <laughs> Novo Nordisk, NVO. They came out with a supply chain issue today. It has nothing to do with demand. So you can enter 107 and happy birthday, guy. Jeff? Lulu, it's got that brand momentum. It's down 20%. It's a good entry point here. Guy? 
I was 30 in the early 90s. For perspective, uh, Target, I'll be there this weekend, Melms. I'm sure you will. Happy birthday to the OG. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.